Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm. Damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Aged Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about movies that have aged like milk in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me is my annoying co host. <laughs> Oh, annoying. David Williamton Rogers. Williamton's back. Yes. Oh, good. Mm. Good to hear. It's fancy. Uh, David, we have a wonderful guest today who we are going to introduce in just a moment. But we are talking about a special movie today on this May the 4th Be With You. What is the film? Spaceballs 1987. Mel Brooks. Need I say more? Oh, it's going to be very politically correct. I can already tell. <laughs> um, so it's my turn to do the synopsis. This is basically a parody of a space movie. It involves a young princess who escapes from an unwanted marriage. She's uh, captured by a bad man, the black helmet, and a rogue space warrior goes to find her at the urging of her father. Yada, yada, yada. They find a man who is Mel Brooks as a alien and they use the Schwartz, which is the force. And then they fall in love and it turns out he's a prince and they get married and all is well after, you know, they blow up basically the Death Star that is a woman <laughs> Yeah, in this movie. I love did it. I do it? I, th- I think you did. If, if I just want to witness this sometime, just you explaining that same pitch to uh, somebody that's never seen this before. Yeah. So be like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, they'll be like, I totally get it. <laughs> uh, but we are not alone in the universe, nor on this podcast. And today we have a wonderful guest, Gary Peterson. Hello. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Good to What's see up, you. Gary? Gary is a comedian. He was actually a teacher of mine at one time doing stand-up, but he's also, uh, he was named the best comedian, the best Boston, the best comedian by Boston Magazine. Yes. Ooh. Yes, Gary. It's, it's like the prettiest boy at the ugly dance. It really is. Oh my God. From a, one bald man to another, I think you're very handsome, Gary. I just want to put I, that out there. I, I really appreciate I needed that too <laughs> today. Gary, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I mean, I know your bio. I know that you've opened mm-hmm. for incredible comics like Maria Branford, uh, Tig Notaro, and Jake Johansson. But what else have you been up to, Gary? Gareth? Gar- Garibaldi? Um, call me, call me, sir. Uh, I've know. been, uh, uh, this year was kind of interesting. You know, we can do a lot of live performance. So I was able to release an album, my first Woo! album. Um, um, and, it is uh, called Yellow Belt Confidence for those interested. Yes, it, uh, on deadandmellow.com, supporting a young, struggling label. Uh, I've, like you and, and many others, I, I like to talk craft with folks. You know, we do a lot of like writing, perf- comedy writing performance stuff uh, with people of all levels and um, worked on a few projects, got some podcasts off the ground, Death by Comedy with Chris Walsh. Um, where we talk all about awful, awful shows and things around show business that we've done and, and very, friends on. Very funny podcast. Everybody must go listen to it. It's really, uh, we got to have you guys on and talk about like just gigs that you get thrown into it that are just nightmarish. And uh, 
And then um, I do a show with my best friend in the world slash uh, like a brother, Rob Crean, um, where we've been uh, doing the dumbest things we can as a chat show. Oh, um, nice. And uh, it, it's uh, Anderson YouTube.com slash Anderson Comedy. So it's been like a, a year that I felt like oh, I haven't done much, but I think I've done more online things than ever, which is good. I think you've been busy. busy. Yeah. I mean, when I think about when we met, which I think was like at the sort of the start of the pandemic, it feels like a long time ago. And now we're still here, but we're all three of us. We were just discussing, we've all had our second vax. So Mm -hmm. getting ready to be launched into the world. And you guys did a couple of those shows that um, were streamed live, right? Yeah. I tuned in Mm -hmm. a few. Yeah. Gary is the king of um, online uh, comedy shows. I feel like every time I go to his Facebook page, he's like, I'm in this one. I'm in this one. Gary, quick question for you. Do you think that online comedy will stay around once the pandemic is over? Or do you think it will be straight back to like, just like live, you know, open mics and, and comedy shows in person? I think it will. And I think it, like it did in the beginning, it will get better than what it is. Um, I think the, the good thing we learned is that like comedy clubs and venues and theaters aren't really accessible for every person in the world. So uh, this enables people with maybe, you know, uh, people that can't get a babysitter or leave the house or whatever reason to be able to enjoy a night out and have it like, you know, uh, entertainment on demand in front of them. It's not a perfect thing yet, but I don't know if you've watched like early, 1940s stand-up comedy <laughs> and you're like <laughs> it has to evolve it has to get better and uh, I think it will and I think it's just opened up a, a new avenue so I'm optimistic about it I'll, I'll probably do a little bit of both just to I be- mean it's great wow. because it's great because you can have comedians that are based in different cities you know in the same lineup without having to travel to someone to travel I mean, yeah. it, it feels like as terrible as the pandemic has been in many ways, it's made us realize that, you know, you can be talented and kind of be wherever. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're all told a million times over that you, you know, if you want an entertainment career, you have to be in like LA or New York. But I just think that the pandemic has, you know, made everybody realize that like there's potential for you wherever you are. And I really hope that the online stuff keeps going because yeah, sometimes I want to watch a comedy show in my underpants and I don't want to put on clothes and go to the laugh factory. So yeah. why should why should I be denied a laugh because I can't find jeans that fit? You shouldn't. I know. <laughs> it's, you know, how much money have you spent before you even get to the thing you wanted to get right. to? Right, so it's, You know, it's a food and beverage industry and I'm not knocking, it's just what it is. So the comedy and art and stuff that I care about comes second to, you know, the the venue stuff that they need and that that can be super annoying when you're just like i want to be creative and weird and they're like but i don't need you at my show and um i wish people would stop saying that to me but it's (laughs) it's just you know gary's uh, like people just come up to you on the street and say that to me we don't need you on the side of the street gary people people (laughs) really don't like me (laughs) people can be so cruel um but this movie it is called Spaceballs. Gary, when was the first time that you saw this this 
I just choked on my own nothing. Uh, when was the first time that you saw this film? I think I saw it at age three or four, very young, uh, illegally taped off HBO onto a Panasonic cassette. Wow. So it had like a, a, a fun like label that was handwritten on it and and it didn't have any commercial interruptions, but I knew that we had cable canceled shortly thereafter because of everything I would repeat from movies like Spaceballs and Coming to America at age four in your learning language. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was just, I loved it. I thought it was so silly because I like space stuff. And I saw this before I saw Star Wars and Star Trek and everything. So it was kind of like I reverse engineered all the jokes. So I liked it. I liked it for its silliness. I didn't really understand any of the jokes. Yeah. It's a very silly movie. One of my really good friends, uh, Melanie, she never saw any of the Star Wars. And we like bonded over this movie. We'd always watch it and like drink or, you know. That's the thing. Like, I, funny I do think it stands up like from a story perspective. Like, you can, even if you haven't seen Star Wars, I feel yeah. like unless you've been living under a rock, you know some of the visuals enough to be like, this is a piss take. Well, like, we, we had seen the movie together like three, four times and like always, you know, mention it, joke about it, do lines from it. And then we're talking about one of the, when some of the new Star Wars came out, you know, uh, some of the more recent ones. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I've never seen a Star Wars. I'm like, wait, Spaceballs is one of your favorite movies and you've never seen Star Wars? Exactly. But to your point, it does hold up and it does stand alone which i think really says something about this movie and about mel brooks yes when was the first time you saw this movie i can't even remember um it's just been just uh you know staple in my in my movie i, I don't want to say you know how much i like this movie just yet we'll talk about that at the end but i still have this on vhs oh there we go yeah well the first time i saw this movie was exactly one week ago today <laughs> but i'm curious to know for you guys like what this meant to you in your childhood and like how it formed you. I mean, Gary, you're watching it at like age three and four, like there's some, okay. You said you didn't really understand the jokes in it, but there's some pretty raunchy stuff in it. And there's some very mm -hmm. silly stuff that happens. And now you're a comedian. Do you feel like this influence? Rick that? Moranis raised you, Gary. <laughs> I mean, I kind of look like him. Uh, if he was a sex symbol, oh. uh, it, he, <laughs> if he was a thousand times hotter <laughs> than he is now. Uh, I, I think it definitely, uh, it made me love just being silly. Like I knew, I don't know why I was laughing, but I knew I was laughing at certain things in the movie. And I definitely, I watched like uh Rick Moranis and John Candy. I think I like idolized fat guys like John Candy because I was a fat kid <laughs> and guys with glasses like Rick Moranis. So it was like everything I felt insecure or weird about. And I also had two lazy eyes, which we'll talk about. <laughs> that, that's a theme in the movie. Like one of the assholes? Of. Yes. I, I, I was kind of ashamed of my eyes because I looked so weird because my eyes went and they both went in and uh, every picture of like and the kids don't look like that and I couldn't see and I never uh, like I wore an eye patch and it felt very weird and then like they just made the assholes kind of like they were accepted and there were a bunch of them so I was like oh I'm not I'm not weird or alone yeah well <laughs> I, and, I, and too like having that growing up you get like that sense of like being funny and you realize you are funny and mm -hmm. then it's kind of like you're putting that away 
like whether you're you had two lazy eyes or glasses or whatever you know yeah but he's like gary's hilarious so like in grade school or middle school you know what i mean like if you're a funny kid i kind of had that with you know being biracial being black around i went to school with a bunch of white kids but i was i was funny right so it was just like oh you know i kind of fit in that way i guess you could say and like people gravitated towards me because i was funny and even though i was you know some kids would say i'm different or whatever like the little asshole kids but then <laughs> most of them you know oh he's just a fucking funny dude so i think that's yeah. another way like you know you relate to this movie i would think growing up and the silliness and how you can express yourself through comedy basically yeah like if i could get them to laugh at what i was saying rather than like something they saw in me then i i can control it exactly you know i mean Mel Brooks like leans into the Jewishness in this movie. You and think? I, I think that's an understatement. <laughs> um, maybe, but yes. Yeah, so I mean, he's the king of like, okay, I'm different. I have like different, you know, cultural things, and it's just he just uses a lot of it, which I want to talk about. Like, I want to talk about whether we think that is now like aged like milk a little bit. But before we jump into that, um. We, we touched on it, but yeah, this movie is a complete piss take of Star Wars and Star Trek, Gary said, before we started mm -hmm. recording. What were some things that jumped out well, <laughs> to, an, to you uh, that were like- interesting part about this, right? So he was looking to get this movie made mm -hmm. and it took a little bit. So um, Star Wars four, five, and six, right? A New Hope was 77, Empire Strikes Back was 1980, and Return, out of the, Return of the Jedi was 83. This movie came out in 87. Right. So if you're talking like Scream and then Scary Movie, right? Some of the really good parodies out there, they're normally More right quick. within yeah, that movie. So then they had the chance to take all three of those movies, which were super popular, and then make fun of a lot of the things that are that are through that. But I mean, you got Dark Helmet. So that's yeah. Darth Vader. Pizza the Hut. Pizza the Jabba Hut. The Jabba Hut. the Hut. That yeah. Lone okay. Star. As, yeah, as an stuff. adult, I'm sorry, but Pizza the Hut horrified me. <laughs> I was like, if I saw this as a kid, I would be fucking scarred. I'm serious. I was. Yeah. What? I was terrified. It was gross. And it's Dom DeLuise's voice, which is also yeah. kind of like, yep. like creepy. It's creepy. Well, pizza's going to come out for you. It looks like, because I, I mean, licks. I, yeah. oh, I, Delicious. I now know as an adult that it's like his chin, but it looks like it was his tongue or something. Like he's got a, you can kind of see his chin through the mouth. So they use a few different people. Um, yeah. That one of the. They refuse to get back in the yeah, suit. Yeah, because um, <laughs> jump into the fun facts, but there was a, a cord that ran in there because it was heated. So like the mm -hmm. cheese would melt or whatever. And it uh, malfunctioned. And the, so the guy was smoking in there oh and it was like, holy shit. And it was like, this guy's, you know, he's smoking, he's smoking. And then they get a handle on it. And then Mel Brooks is like, all right, one more take. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no. So Pizza the Hut was terrifying. Um, and then you have, yeah, Lone Star that you were mentioning, Gary, which is kind of a mix up of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. They kind of combined yeah. two characters. Which I agree with that decision. Is if you rewatch Star Wars and you look at Luke and Han as a, as an older person now, I'm kind of like I don't think Luke is cool. <laughs> He's kind of a, a weirdo, and then he gets a little too 
uh, spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, there is also the incest element that runs, you know, through it where you're like, he's attracted to his sister. How do we feel that, you know, and then we're all just like, we get over it and then we move on. And now she's with Han solo, but yeah. Do you think in the beginning that Prince Valiant is, Prince Valium is sort of a Luke that they kind of, because he's blonde, he has the long kind of bowl cut, and but I didn't think they just that. kind of get rid of him right away. Could yeah. be, could be. Yeah. I think that it's funny that his name is Valium and he's so sleepy. Yeah, he's That's just a, tired. It's kind of a lazy, silly <laughs> joke, but I like it. Uh, you've got yogurt instead of Yoda, yep. which is just a plus writing, if you ask me. Yogurt. You, I hate yogurt. You know yogurt. they were sitting around and Eat they're a like, "What's a Y word that yeah. also sounds like Yoda?" That's silly, and they were probably coming up with all kinds of names, and then like just yogurt, just yeah. go for it. And then you got the Schwartz. The Schwartz, which I had yeah. to Google because I was like, "Does this mean dick?" Because they keep making it seem like it means dick when they're <laughs> when they're fighting with the, the lightsabers. But yeah. I did find out that in Yiddish, the Schwartz, a Schwartz means a power known throughout the universe as the the Force. No, the Schwartz. Schwartz. Yes, the Schwartz. It means something like. Oh no, it's here. Uh, good connection. Okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it is close to Schwanz, which is Yiddish for penis. For penis. There, I, there, I knew it. Yeah. It was like two. But Schwartz is, I think, what they they do mean it like that. Like, the connection you know, vibe and yeah. Because the yeah, force, the, the force is yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you had. You just had like a lot of things like Boff was the uh, Lone Star sidekick. He's a mog, half man, half dog. Yeah, he's, he's his own best friend. And he's his own best friend. Is that like, does he say that? That's what he says. Yeah. He goes, yeah. I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. Right. Yeah. John that- Candy plays it perfectly. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's so good. He's lovable and disgusting. He's just <laughs> eating dog food out of a bucket dancing when you see him and then his ears pop up yeah <laughs> the animat- the animatronic ears were great they were almost their own character that was tail yeah yeah but uh he was like the chewbacca right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they really did just take like these movies and they're like okay what would a kid if a kid was remaking this movie how would they like be silly about it and like <laughs> i just thought yeah the mog was hilarious. Yeah, like, yeah. Such a I, I think it's pretty well thought out, though. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yogurt. Like, I, I mean, but I, that even plays though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's the genius of Mel Brooks. Everything can be a joke, and he and it just does it so well. Right. Yeah. Like, I geek out at all those. Yeah. Even David silly loves ones. It. Like when he says, "What does he say?" David told me this was a top five movie for him. It's top. It's my top three. Top three for now. Sure. Oh my god! It's made yeah. the podium. At it's, this point. it's been on the podium. I, I'll it's tell you my, I'll tell you my other two some other day, but um, so Bill Bill Pullman, Lone Star, Lone Star, right? And he's talking to Princess Vespa, played by Daphne Zuniga, and they're out in the desert, right? And he's, he's, she's like, "Wait, you don't know where you're from?" And he's like, "Ah, somewhere in the Ford Galaxy." Yeah, which is a car. <laughs> Like the, the model Ford. Oh, I thought it was a like a Harrison no, Ford joke. Ford Galaxy is a car. Uh, it's an old Ford model. So <laughs> so many went over my head. I mean, so many go over kids' heads yeah. and even me as an adult. Yeah. Sorry, I just got this booty slip back in Da Nang that I got to open. Um, nice. that's, that's a callback to our 
Tropic Thunder episode. Yes, um, yes. We do it every time now. It's definitely not getting played or annoying. <laughs> uh, so what was, Gary, you mentioned like the Star Trek element to it. I might have missed that. What was the like tricky part of this? So any the beaming, uh, the the snotty character who's right. like the Scottish uh, Scotty character. Right. Um, there, there's like a Mad Magazine parody element to some of this stuff. Where it's just like just change one letter, make it a little so like snotty versus Scotty. Not really the greatest joke, and he's still Scottish, yeah. but he's but he's wearing a space kilt if you uh, see, yeah. which is really funny. Yeah. And he's got that dumb hat, which is like that is so fucking funny to me. Can I swear? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you don't fucking swear, uh, we'll fucking kick you off. Thank you. Um, he's got this just like. It's like the two things about Scottish people. <laughs> the hat. And, and he's a total moron. And they beam the the president screwed over. And uh and he beam, they beam him backwards and they mix up the beaming. Um Why didn't anybody tell me my ass was so big. <laughs> <laughs> that was silly. I, I love um that those two contentious worlds of like Star Trek versus Star Wars that hate each other supposedly it's like I love both and I didn't think I needed to kick pick a side yeah. and when it kind of blended them to just kind of poke in all directions I really love that um, but it didn't it didn't do the typical jokes that were I think were overdone with like weird Shatner or Klingons you know, or something yeah, yeah I think there was also that, a call. Um like, I don't know, homage or like a joke to um, Lost in Space because one of the vehicles was called like the Jupiter 2 or something like that, I think. And that was uh, from the like the original TV show Lost in Space. Okay. There was yeah, also an alien show. callback yeah. in the very yes. end. And it was, it was the guy. It was, it the, was the guy. guy. <laughs> and then they tried to get like a Sigourney Weaver lookalike. I was, I, yeah. I was like staring at her. I'm like, is that Sigourney? So Mel Brooks called John uh, Hurt and was like, hey, can you kind of do this? Like, just poke a little fun at it. And he's like, yeah, like, that's fine. Um, and then he gets to the set and it's like a whole mock-up. And he's like, holy shit, we're making fun of like everything from that scene right. and alien and he's like i should have asked for money for this oh he didn't get paid to do it <laughs> he so. just showed up <laughs> yeah oh my god his, his line killed me as a kid i knew it was funny it was one of those obvious jokes that an alien pops out of his stomach and he goes not again yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i mean and we, a top we hat Hello, my baby. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. We did Alien on the podcast, and that was a film that, that I had seen for the first time, too. So, like, we were actually talking about it uh, when we were hanging out, David and I. We're going through a bit of a space phase at the moment. Yeah. Um, so It was Alien Day on the 26th? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it ended up being... Or 26th. Yeah, we've actually been really good about space and mm -hmm. timing it out well. But you kind of mentioned John Hurt was in this as a little cameo. Let's talk about the cast. This movie has some surprisingly heavy hitters obviously mel brooks casts himself in all of his movies he plays the president and he also plays yogurt president screw which, which is, is an anagram brooks of brooks yeah yeah, yeah. um yogurt. what what else about the cast really stood out to you david well just um like john candy as gary was saying was amazing rick moranis like i wish <sighs> he wouldn't have retired from acting because oh he retired he retired like in the late 90s to focus on his family. I like that. Yeah, but I mean. I mean, I had a joke about him. I was like thinking about what he looks like and he looks like he smells like a pair of socks that just have been in the gym. Like he's what? just like all small. <laughs> and 
and like not very masculine and i, I mean oh like oh my god he's so funny though. i know he's so funny yeah. and like i love him in like honey i shrunk the kids and stuff like that. Yeah. but in this movie he's so dweeby <laughs> yeah, he can really... we cut out the part where i said i look like him <laughs> <laughs> i i Sorry. think it's i Keep think he's in. a good looking guy yeah but you got bill pullman which this was his first um, oh, damn. first lead i did not know mel brooks asked the two tom Toms. hanks and tom cruise tom cruise and tom hanks yeah. and i was like oh, so which wouldn't have worked no are you serious Maybe i would tom watch hanks. the shit out of tom cruise tom, in this movie i would not watch tom cruise he would bring such a weird intensity to it that i'd be yeah. so down tom hanks could pull it off I tom, tom hanks, hanks was funny in the 80s yeah if yeah. tom if tom cruise maybe would have dived into his character development think about like him he did in, in tropic, tropic thunder. thunder yeah that's where i was going maybe but i don't i think uh, Bill Pullman's great in this. No, I think um, Bill Pullman was the right call. Yeah. He's but, perfect. Like, Mel Brooks uh, went and watched him do a play huh. and was like, oh, this guy's got some acting chops. And they, and they asked him. And then you got uh, Daphne Zuniga. This was like her second film. Uh, She's Princess Vespa. Yep. Dick Van Patten was King Roland. Uh, George Weiner was Colonel Sanders, who was amazing. What? Why are you Colonel looking at me Sanders? Like that? That's his name, Colonel Sanders. Oh my God, I didn't his know no, that was his Dark name. Dark Helmets number two. Oh. Yeah. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? <laughs> Chicken. <laughs> I missed that. Holy shit, how did I miss That's that? That's his name, Colonel Sanders. That's crazy. Yeah. Where are they? I don't know, sir. They must have hyperjets on that thing. And what do we got on this thing? A Cuisinart? No, sir. We'll find them, catch them. Yes, sir. Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take us. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Prepare ship! Prepare ship for ludicrous speed. You got Michael uh, Winslow, who is a radar technician, who okay. did all the funny radar voices, and he was like in every single police academy. Um, Joan Rivers was did the voice of Dot Matrix. Oh, she only speaks in jokes. All yeah. she does. Is Joan Rivers. <laughs> only only speaks in jokes. Yeah. Everything she says is hilarious in this movie. Oh my god. But yeah. I found it interesting. That was one of my fun facts. Was that uh, they actually had a mime inside dot matrix so mm -hmm. it was actually Joan Rivers' voice but yeah this her name's Lorraine Yarnell Jansen yeah she was like big in the 70s in this mime duo yeah. and then she was in this um and I just I always think it's funny like you know even another thing with this with the Star Wars is like we had James L. Jones playing the voice of Darth Vader and in this at sometimes I think it's Rick Moranis's voice but he's trying to sound like when the when the helmet goes on he sounds kind of different did you notice yeah, that? Like James Earl Jones? Yeah, he's got like a bass in his yeah. voice. Yeah. 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 It's it's I think making fun of that joke that happens in Star Wars where you're like evil Darth Vader who crushes people with his mind. Yeah. And then by the third one, you see this pale, bald white guy that's yeah. like got a harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks like a shitty folk singer. It's like, my son. Yeah. And it's just so funny to go up and down. He's got glasses on. He's a nerd under there, but beneath it, he's really tough and big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Evil shall always prevail because good is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the sheer size of his helmet just yeah. makes me. Oh my god, that fighting scene <sighs> when he's got with Lone Star, he's like, <laughs> put it there. There's nothing I hate more than a fair fight, but put it there. And he takes his ring. <laughs> 
that's the oldest trick in the book, man. I can't believe you fell for that. He's like, he's like, let me give it back to you. Oh, you fell for that too. Stay tuned for David to recreate the entire film. I could, I could. Word for word, <laughs> all the characters. Um, yeah, I mean, the cast is is stacked. It's, and I feel like, yeah, like those little cameos where you see people from Alien and like just these, it's just, it adds to it. It's there, so Steven good. Steven Tobolowski. You've probably seen him in a ton of stuff. Yes, Groundhog Day. Yeah, Captain oh, of the Guard. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, I did. Captain I of the Guard. That. He had, like, two lines. And he was like, well, well, well. But he killed those couple <laughs> lines. Well, 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 look what we have here. And he turns, he's like, you idiots. You caught their stunt doubles. Yeah. <laughs> and they like, Well, that actually raises a great point. They do some weird, like, breaking the fourth wall, like, real, like, meta oh, yeah. shit. Like, the one scene that I will say that really stuck with me, and I watched it quite a few times was when they're like on the ship and they don't know where to find these people so they're like let's just watch the movie and they pull out this beast like the vhs of it and then they're like watching themselves in the in the screen and i'm not gonna lie i was a little high the first time i saw it and i was like how are they doing this yeah. to scott and he was like, like what do you mean and i'm like no how are they doing it, it was like so freaked out because uh, of my brain i was like what's going on that hasn't come out yet yeah it's new technology yeah and he's like and rick Moranis goes nah he's like yeah they put it in <laughs> he's like yeah. this is now now yeah and what he's like now when yeah <laughs> but then they do a couple meta things like that like yeah they find the stunt doubles which is kind of silly that they have that scene and then they even like do break the fourth wall where they're actually talking to us at some time so i think that's a really interesting when, technique. when barf she's like oh great the druish princess and barf looks at the camera funny she doesn't look druish you're right <laughs> there's right. a couple of those Rick Moranis's uh, line where like they kind of recap what they're going to do and he looks and he's like everybody got that yeah and then he goes <laughs> oh there's, there's by Mr. Coffee and Mr. Radar there's one part where they're looking up at this they're like it's gonna be so hot like the sun and he's like nice fade no he goes nice oh. dissolve nice dissolve fuck <laughs> David knows it word for word so if I misquote it he'll just correct me oh, it's I'll all get good. you Nice dissolve. He's drinking peanut butter whiskey today. That, that I, you guys got me for Christmas. That's right. Thanksgiving? Christmas. Christmas. Is it delicious? It's so delicious. It's so Does good. it taste like peanut butter? It tastes like peanut butter goodness. Now that I don't we, even like peanut butter. Like now that. that we're vaccinated, we can share drinks again. So. True. You I don't, take no, a sip? I, all right. Just Let's go. Bit. Oh, you're in the same room. Oh, now she's got the Moderna oh, in her. Oh, no, it's actually good. Yeah, I lied. Good. I like it. Gary, you should get some of that. We broke the fourth wall. Yeah. Can you pass it through my screen? <laughs> yeah. see. What are you? No. We're, we're in the same. Oh, look at that. No, we're in the same room again because we just missed each other and, you know, we're vaccinated now. We, we're back in studio. Yeah, we're back in studio. But, okay, we're getting off track as we yeah. always fucking do. <laughs> so let's go from a fun thing, the meta stuff, to a not fun thing, uh, the portrayal of women in this movie. What do you guys, I'm curious to know what you guys think. Cause obviously I come at it from such a different perspective. Yeah. Gary, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah. Or... <laughs> Gary, do you want to jump, do you want to jump with this grenade? Gary, this is, here's a, some rope, hang yourself. Well, the uh, shirt I'm wearing. Yes. Uh, well, let me ask you this. How many okay. women, how many female characters are in this movie? Like main female characters? There's really, I mean, Princess Vespa. And Dot, Dot Matrix. Dot Matrix. And then you you get a couple of, the, yeah, a couple of the space ball lieutenants who are kind of like, 
sexy 80s women Scott, that have Scotty no B. names oh, right would you say that they're perhaps window dressing or like <laughs> yeah but i mean that the one that's a, she's a space ball the one that says scotty beat me down twice last night right she's like fully clothed and in like her uniform and she's got some power she's got some authority okay in her role that's i'm just saying okay but then you got the you got marling and darling, chew your gum. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And then the dentist, uh, or assistant. sorry, the nose, the rhinoplasty yeah, doctor's assistant. Yeah, getting motivated. Yeah, so Huge there's a lot of movement and feminism there in yeah. that role. That was good. Really. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't good. But yeah. I would say Princess Vespa, because I was trying to figure out who's the protagonist of this movie. And I think it's Princess Vespa and Lone Star's story. It's kind of that duo thing. I was going to say it's definitely Lone Star, but this is what this this is why I was asking because you guys obviously both have seen Star Wars and it's May the 4th and we're celebrating that. The difference between Princess Leia and Princess Vespa is I grew up watching Princess Leia thinking like that woman is a badass. You know, like she gets herself out of situations. Yes, she wears an incredibly iconic and sexy bikini and is like definitely a sex symbol, but I just felt like and again, this is me being hypercritical of what is clearly like a silly parody movie. Princess Vespa is not empowered in the same way. And David's about to disagree with I'm me. I'm about to disagree. Please mansplain to me how. Why is it mansplaining? No, I'm just joking. It's, it's my opinion. So first of all, we didn't know she was a bass, but you can hear her singing from the jail cell. Um, but she, she. What is that? What? You know what I'm talking about? No, yes, no. Oh. She's a face. <laughs> how that relates. Because she's got some power feminism. is what I'm getting to. Uh-huh. And she she gets shot in the hair and she's like, what the fuck? And she starts laying into space balls, picks up the gun. So she has some power. What else does she have? To Gary's point on protagonist, the movie starts with her saying no to um, to author- her authority, saying like, I'm you nodding, are going to do this. Mm-hmm. You are going to marry Prince Valium. And the guy's a total douche. He's not doing for it. She says, fuck it. I'm out of here. Dot, let's get, let's, we're dipping. You know what I mean? And they, she chooses to leave her royal highnessness and all the glitz and glamour because she's not happy with that decision that wasn't made for her, right? So I do kind of think, I didn't think of it until Gary mentioned it, but she is like, I think she is kind of half protagonist because it starts mm-hmm. with her and it's her story, like um, finding her power basically and saying, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not sticking to these rules that you guys made for me. And then also you see Lone Star's story, you know, they develop and they end up together. But yeah, I think um, she finds her way. And she, as soon as she gets on the ship, when they save her, she's pushing back the whole time to Lone Star. You make, yeah, some, she's, you make some valid points, David. Go. Sorry, Gary, go. That I think the model is like the Jewish American princess. And she's the Druish princess. Yeah. And she's, you know, daddy's girl. But it's also the 80s. She's got this valley girl type thing. And I believe the actress was on Melrose Place. Yep. Um, so she's got like this. It's like fierce independence of like, I'm going to do whatever I want. It's my life. And but she's also maintaining that stupidity of a princess who's so entitled, only cares about her hair. She's and superficial. Touch, you know, they get to this desert planet and she's like, carry my shit. And it's a hair <laughs> yeah. dryer. And, and Lone Star, and not every character in this too is also equally as stupid. I don't think there's anyone who is uh, super smart or like right. doing the right thing. Yeah, everybody makes like, stupid decisions and 
and Lone Star's a drunk with a cowboy hat in space in a Winnebago. <laughs> yeah, because, because Han Solo is like a space cowboy, right? So they like took mm-hmm. it to the ninth degree. Yeah, yeah. Listen, just... you make some good points. I think I definitely, with my hypocritical brain on this, was like, this wasn't doing anything really for me for representation of women. Um, it also leads to the next part that I wanted to talk about with like, you know, there's, <laughs> I just like, okay, I'm just going to say it out loud. They are having a moment, Lone Star and Princess Vespa, and they get a little close and it's a little romantic and Dot Matrix sits up and it's like virginity alarm. And I was like, okay, cool. So we're policing her sexuality. I mean, it's the eighties, but I was like, come on. Like, I just feel like that's aged like milk. Yeah. But it's a, <laughs> it's a, time for a joke right yeah right. opportunity for a joke so yeah it said virgin alarm so dot was programmed to make sure she didn't lose her opportunity to you know to lone star but i, I, I see what you're saying yeah it's just, like she should be able to choose who she makes out with and, right she's yeah. not gonna fuck him under the sun hey in the dust. body she body just, warm she just wanted to kiss him and then the robot's yeah. like uh, uh uh and i was like oh so funny to talk about men <laughs> talk about a robot or a man policing your vagina robot Girl, you go get yours woman robot no i know uh, right, so robot. robot with a perm which yeah. is amazing stop looking up her can right yeah and i mean I, go ahead gary i agree 100 percent that that scene is a little it's a little bizarre it, it offers a joke but it's also like if you look at the whole star wars star trek there really isn't there's sort of an absence of sexuality. There's almost there's passionate kissing, but there's no there's I love you, and there's no sexuality. So I don't know if he's I don't know what the point of that scene really is, other than uh, just a dot dark. cock blocking. Yeah, um, dot cock. Block. It could be that this is a like a prude galaxy far far away. You know, they sure. just yeah. in that case, then how come John Candy's tale is like sexually assaulting He's waitresses? Ca- he said it has a mind of its own. I mean, also like there was a scene with Doc Helmet where he has these dolls that I read was improvised, yeah, by the way. It was. And he's like basically like Oh, by the way, that snoring in the background is my foster bulldog, in case anyone can hear it. Um, Agnes is up for adoption. She's she is very noisy. But yeah, no, there's a scene with Rick Moranis' character and he's got all these things and he's like, basically force his doll is forcing itself upon Princess Vespa's doll. And then she eventually like figures out that she loves him. Oh, and she, he, he turns so a no into a yes, which is like, not a good message. Mel, come on. It wasn't a good message in the 80s. It's <laughs> not a good dolls. message now. They're little figures. It's not the dolls. It's he's the message the behind guy. the dolls. I know he's a bad guy, <laughs> but it's just like, it was, I think for me, that was just like, the, and then the tail up the waitress's skirt. I'm like, okay. Okay. I, yeah. uh, to the audience, I'm wearing a shirt that has dark helmet on it. And it says, I, I bet, bet she, she gives, gives great, great helmet. helmet. <laughs> which <laughs> still is hilarious to me. Um, I would like to see how, how you feel about this t-shirt. I like, I think the t-shirt's <laughs> funny. I'm a great fan of like hilarious t-shirts. And I know that like, this is a jokey movie, but I still think like now in 2021, like you wouldn't make these jokes. See, do you think I, you would? I don't know because what's, what's so wrong if you do it kind of tastefully, like give helmet, you know what I mean? You can't tell me like, there's not. I've seen women movie and they like 
say something about a handsome guy. Right. Right. Like I bet he I can think go it's, forever. I think, it's a, I like think it's a sensitive pendulum though that we're in at the moment. I'm right curious. Now, if, I'm, yeah. I'm curious to hear Gary's thoughts too, because like he's more in the stand-up space than we are and like how jokes come across now. But like, you know, I think this movie comes across a little bit like bro-y and there's a lot of like jokes about women and mm-hmm. I don't know that the women are necessarily in on the jokes. Like I wrote down the scene that you mentioned earlier about the, with the, the nose doctor and then the lights go off and the lights come on and the doctor's motorboating yeah, the yeah, nurse. Yeah. And then it's like, he goes back to the golf course or whatever. He's like, go back to the golf course. And it's like, okay, she's consensually involved in this, but yes. Then the, <laughs> I bet she great, gives great helmet. It's kind of like a bit of a bro joke where you're like talking about women. Yeah, but there's also like the opposite of that there's women they say that in their groups too right but i'm talking about guys you're talking about this movie movie. yeah yeah go ahead gary sorry we're cutting you off he's like if i could just i am the guest on this podcast if i could just i I think yeah it's going one way if if there were lines that princess vespa and dot had about men and sexualized them it, it wouldn't make it better but it would at least balance it a little because it feels very one way. It feels like dudes wrote this movie, dudes edited this movie. Right. Because <laughs> we women have like, are in it. Which we, they did. We have like Schwartz jokes about dicks and lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We and we and then we have like women, yeah, essentially being like sexy props, which is not a trope that we, you know, haven't seen from other movies in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I'm not singling out Mel Brooks. Yeah. I'm not singling out this movie. I'm just saying as a woman watching it. I raised an eyebrow a couple of times where I was like, mm. yeah, it felt, it felt like this was an all male writing team, an oh, all yeah. male yeah. production team. And everyone's like, Oh my God. So funny. And I, I agree with you on the, the doctor's assistant, right? She just has her, her boobs. Knockers. Out. Why her would you call them bangerings and knockers? Oh my God. Uh, but then you got, and then you got Marling and Darling or, or whatever their names are, right? Ah, chew your gum. You know, they're just cute twins. Yeah. He tells them to kind of be quiet. But again, I do think that Princess Vespa was also strong. You make some woman. good points about how she was strong. I mean, I think she's kind of uh, uh, hamstringed by the fact that she is a princess and they kind of give her like no tools to survive versus like Leia, who's a princess and is also like, a warrior mm-hmm. and a fucking fighter pilot, which we love to see as yeah. a young woman. But let's move and, on. Oh, and go I ahead, Gary. It, it is it is limiting now looking back that like the whole center of this conflict is her uh, her getting married or wanting to get married. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's what kicks off this tremendous intergalactic type war. <laughs> Yeah. situation that caused nearly mass destruction yeah like do um, you guys think that this movie meets the bechdel test gary do you know what that is yes i do i don't think it does and um do you know what it is well We've talked how it, many right? like no it's like women it's two women having character having a conversation about something other than a relationship okay they have first and last names they have j- titles doc, jobs they have a relationship that doesn't involve uh like a a man connecting them or something like that mm-hmm. yeah i'd um, have to go back and watch this with that in mind <laughs> i can tell you right now it doesn't i don't think it does. <laughs> yeah, you don't no. think i'm very uh, very good at finding things yeah, I don't know, I'm just kidding. Know. But yeah. um no i mean I, so gary we got a little bit off track there but i was wondering like in the stand-up scene like are you noticing a trend at all like 
is this style of comedy like still you know prevalent in people's sets or do you think that the sort of like stereotypical like bro-y jokes have moved on in in the comedy space I I don't I can only speak for the scenes and stuff that I've seen and then last year the online stuff um the communities online and which is kind of nice about I think everybody being from all over is you can see everybody's face at all times everyone's in the same room and you know people are sometimes held accountable a little bit quicker you know when people can type and be like hey what the fuck are you doing that was weird um where anyone can jump because like if it's a normal show if you're yelling out at, at a premise or something that's a heckle but if everybody's mic'd and after somebody said that's super weird uh not to name any names uh, just this one comedian was on this open mic and he's kept doing this very like weird story that was just like i think he thought he was being like a, a hopeless romantic in it but it just sounded like he was being super creepy and everybody was like and then we were all like, hey, um, that was fucked up. <laughs> so it's so different then because like if you have stage time, it's like a blank audience, right? It's like black. But with this, you can literally course correct someone in real time, it sounds like. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there are also some, the same person, some people have tried to tell them like, hey, you know that story you talk about where like uh, all the women uh, are wrong and you're right? <laughs> that's <laughs> not coming off good because <laughs> you're a crazy person right uh and ever, they don't if, if everyone you around know. you is an asshole maybe yeah maybe it's you know. um but but i've seen in the communities online i think there's a lot more women at least in the boston uh comedy scene circuit and the la scene the show balance i think is has been a little bit better because it's all optics online yeah um you know everybody has to see your lineup and which is a good thing. There needs to be more people of everywhere on every show. Yeah. And that just builds a better show. It's a built better comedy community. So are you sure? Um, because I'm pretty sure I just want a full lineup of white straight dudes. I really, I, that's what I'm, but what if, do I go to just see like the, that's all I want is like a cis white male <laughs> perspective. But if you look everything. at Netflix, there's such a variety, which I applaud them for, yeah. for just uh, stand-up comics. I right? think they could even go further. I mean, I think they are trying to... I think it's pretty It's pretty diverse, there. but... They, I think it's super diverse. I think Netflix is leading the way, not to yeah. be like, Netflix, 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 but like, I really do think like, when I see shows, they are really committed now to like shows, not just comedy, but like... Yeah, just casting. any show. Like, yeah, yeah. They have definitely... For they're sure. definitely doing well with but, uh, i'm gonna say like stand up like they push a lot of uh minorities ton of women mm -hmm. um just anybody that's basically like you're funny who knew that women could be funny i didn't until i met you david didn't know not from this <laughs> oh my movie. gosh moving on I, to diversity yes carry go yeah diversity i was gonna segue like, yeah diversity yeah. in this film if i recall and again i'm always wrong and people fucking People text me and be like, actually, there was a black person in this scene. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, it's um, like sifting hey. through the desert with that pick. Well, that's what, let's comb <laughs> yeah. the desert of this movie. Yeah. Is that it? Do we just have the two? Michael Winslow. You got Michael Winslow. Okay. You got a couple random troops with no lines that are running yeah. through space ball. We ain't found uh -huh. shit. Yeah. And guy in the we, desert. How do we yeah. feel about that? Like, because I was reading online that some people were like, I'm so sick of these, like, 
you know, stereotypical lines. Well, I don't, that's, that's a stereotypical line. Man, we ain't found shit. But yeah. it's one and of the got, funniest lines in the whole movie. Oh, I would, so good. I, would I mean, say. the giant comb, I'm going to be honest, that's my sense of humor where they're like, let's comb the desert. And they've got yeah. these like combs Big and they're going through. Combs. And then you look over and they've got an Afro pick. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's two black guys using it. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's funny. But there's not there's not a whole lot of diversity in this movie. Yeah. And I wanted to say that I feel like the 80s was a good time to be a little person because you got a lot of work as work. like, you know, you might not have any English lines, but the ensemble. <laughs> tink, tink. <laughs> right. It's just like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, the little people in this, it was like, they were what? like, okay. So imagine the casting, you go in, yeah. right? I'm like, okay, so here's the premise. You're going to all wear robes, okay? And everyone's like, okay. Yeah. And they're like, you're going to run around the desert. We're going to make you look like you're dead. We're going to put this weird makeup on your face. You're going to be dead. And all you're going to say is tink, tink, and you're going to run around. I mean, like. And then there's one good part, one good part for someone who is smaller. And we're going to give it to Mel Brooks, the director, okay? He's also got another part in the movie. Yeah, because a big uh, part. Willow, he was probably booked. Matt or Wolf, Davis. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but but rep representation. representation. I mean, there's, they, there's not they, a lot of it. I right? mean, Mel Brooks is Jewish. He leans into the Jewish jokes. You got to respect him for yeah. bringing that stuff to the front. And yeah, there wasn't. I don't think I saw any people of Asian descent in this movie. No, no, I, I didn't get any. They like if they did more Star Trek jokes because Star Trek is known for its like diversity on like the cast from the beginning you know all they took was the beaming and scotty snotty the white guy you had a snotty like they could have taken more they could have played rim like sulu or other things or um uh they could have even lando calrissian from star wars like he was a pretty pivotal character was in two of them also a snack in my humble opinion lando was always the one that i was like fuck I mean, Harrison, if you're listening, like I would obviously, yeah. you're, you're, you're very hot. But Lando Calrissian, to me, you as think a teenager, would give great helmet. I would never speak <laughs> about him that way because I'm a woman and oh I don't fucking God. judge people as they leave the room I've... to go to the golf course with their <laughs> boss slash doctor friend. You've said people could get it on this podcast yeah, in a respectful <laughs> way. I don't need to wear a shirt about it. Um, but yeah, no, the representation. Okay. Being a minority, um, I would like to speak to this. Um, I don't feel like Mel Brooks, and we've talked about this in other movies, right? I don't feel like it was like, uh, well, we did naked gun, which was also Mel Brooks, right? Uh, no, no, it's uh, David's. Oh, well, we yeah. have to cut that part out because yeah. I don't want people to know <laughs> that I'm an idiot. Um, but Mel Brooks did Blazing Saddles, main character, <laughs> black guy. So this is what I'm saying. So as far as history, the world part one. Yeah. So it's just that I don't think it was like, oh, I'm making this decision to not include minorities. I don't think that's in his head at all. You know what I mean? Like that's that wasn't a. Uh, uh, cognitive choice where he's like yeah nah, we don't need that we don't need that it's probably just hey who's available this for this this for that this for that and there's not a ton of characters with lines right in this and i get what you're saying there's not a not a lot of representation but as far as being a mel brooks fan i don't think it was like that decision where i think other movies we've looked at probably was a decision like i guess excluding people instead of in you know Gary, you look like you have a point 
it was, and I may be way making this up. Uh, I had a hand injury as a child. Was <laughs> this is not as a child? Is it's not like a Mel Brooks film, like in the in the box because I got the box set and it's not included in there. Wasn't this sort of like big studio bought Mel Brooks like here write us this movie about space, so they had more pull into the casting and other things, or am I making that up because? Like you said, uh, uh, Richard Pryor was originally going to do Blazing Saddles. He co-wrote it with Mel Brooks. And I saw Mel Brooks do this amazing talk a couple of years ago where he was like, the studio wouldn't let Richard Pryor be in the movie because of his drug habit and crazy lifestyle. And Richard Pryor was like, I still get a check. I don't give and, a shit. And he was on set the whole time. Mm -hmm. So Mel Brooks wasn't like, I think, ex totally trying to exclude people i don't know if maybe the system itself had its hand in it because no, I, I don't I trust mean, the system no there's like i'm sure no, there's like that. a huge you know push to have I, I don't know this is so off topic but did you guys see that um hollywood show ryan yeah. murphy yep. was it? yeah where they just pretty much recreated they basically hollywood rewrote and, like what yeah. history in hollywood was and they had like a white actress and a black actress going up against the same role and like yeah. kind of dismiss this idea of like inherent racism in the old Hollywood system, which I think I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a brand new idea, but like it was very geared towards, you know, white actresses. Like mm -hmm. we've talked about it before, like with Roger Rabbit, you know, um, black performers were allowed to be like singers and performers, but they weren't allowed to attend the clubs that they were actually actively performing in. So yeah. I think it's not crazy to say that the studio heads thinking that, that the a white audience racist, yeah. or the industry and just the general public in America, a white audience doesn't want to see a black lead, an Asian lead, right. a Hispanic lead, right? Um, I think thinking that they won't sell tickets if they put I that in there. I think we're in a place now where we're coming to a better resolution of that problem. Like we're seeing a lot more diversity in casting, like we were talking about with Netflix. Like I think they're mm -hmm. doing a great job of it, but yeah, I mean, this movie is 24 years old. Do we think that the industry was in a in a place of inclusivity at that point? I, I, I mean, I don't think I so. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But I, I'm just saying I got to stick up for Mel Brooks on this. Like, Gary, that's a great point that it could be more, probably more studio. And hey, we got to sell this thing. And the reason um, Pullman got the gig is because they attached... Um, John Candy and Rick Moranis to it. So they could use a, a kind of an unknown, which a lot of actors have actually gotten their like first leads because another star was attached to it, right? Right. Um, it's the game of putting the pieces together of a movie. Exactly. Right? McConaughey got that lead. Um, Interstellar? No, like Minis Mis is it was Mississippi Burning or with uh, Sandra Bullock. I'm <laughs> like Interstellar, the movie yeah, just did yeah. recently. <laughs> the one she, he did with Sandra Bullock because she was attached to it. So they right. took a shot with him and he crushed it. So I, I think it's more probably studio than I just, you know, want to put that out there that I don't yeah, feel like Mel Brooks listen, has that ounce. I know this from working on a film, like a director is the one that gets blamed for, you know, the, 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 he gets the success and he also gets like the failure. So we exactly, we don't know what the producer was dealing with or like the studio. So I think, yeah, that's a fair point. And it's a, it's a parody of sci-fi genre or fantasy genre too, with like, you know, the planet of the apes creeps in, mm -hmm. in, in the end. And, that was great. Um, I think like that whole 
time. So it'd be the 80s making fun of those films of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of problematic. So he's working with a, a limited palette, but I would have wished he had more people, you know, funnier people. Uh, I mean, fucking Eddie Murphy could have been Lando Calrissian. Why not? It's 87. <laughs> Come on. I would have loved that. Eddie Murphy in anything. Um, you had some making of information. Oh, yeah. Just like the, I'm just, not basically information, but like the special effects, practical effects. They used uh, like one of the biggest blue screens ever created, like at that time. Damn. Um, and for that, uh, what was it? Like the deck in the spaceship when they, you know, <laughs> we got to go to, uh, you know, they're talking like ludicrous speed and, yeah. and <laughs> they've gone to plaid. And so they had to act with all that. And I watched this like behind the scenes uh, documentary and Mel Brooks is like, that's a great actor. If they can act with nothing, you know, you're a great actor. And so they, I feel like now we're just like, oh yeah, green screen. Green, Cause like yeah. every movie has green screen. Yeah. But at this point they had to wear special glasses because they thought the blue light was going to do some oh damage to their eyes. So when they weren't, on their scene they had to wear these special glasses which didn't help hold up at all anyways it wasn't damaging their eyes but it was kind of funny they thought like the light bouncing the light the- yeah the blue oh, okay. light on the big blue screen was going to hurt their eyes somehow so they all had to wear these weird glasses when they weren't uh in their scenes yeah wow. <laughs> what an obscure like old they went from stripe to plaid like they do a pattern <laughs> joke yeah like a couch <laughs> oh shit it's so stupid and so good Uh, I would be so curious to see like the jokes per minute in this movie because Mel Brooks is the king of like visual jokes too like think about again going back to those combs like he had those giant ass combs made for a literal like three second joke (laughs) and it's so funny it's like one of the things that stuck with me yeah Uh, there's so many so many things sorry Gary the Vulcan neck pinch. Yeah. It's one of my favorite jokes where he's like, What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> he walks them through how to check the like yeah. and that's get him. too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's so I mean, there's so many visual jokes when he's cruising around the desert and he's got like one of those giant like explorer type hats on that has like little <laughs> little eye hats. The safari hat. The safari hat. Yeah. Just opens up. He's like, You're always you're always preparing. Just go. Yeah. Yeah. Um so some fun facts about the movie uh yeah i mean we already talked about like tom cruise and tom hanks were the first choices uh i I just think it's interesting so mel brooks like to me that sounds like a very jewish name but did you guys know that he was actually born um mel kaminsky his last name is actually kaminsky i didn't know that i I don't know why he changed his name but uh yeah mel brooks is such an iconic go ahead gary that polish uh, and jews were not welcome (laughs) in a lot of showbiz stuff oh interesting. and uh, and he worked in the catskills i believe which was primarily jewish but it it was an easier easier name they talk about the catskills in mrs mazel marvelous miss mazel yeah so he was a stand-up comedian there mel brooks had to deal with that in his career yeah basically is what you're basically saying. like yeah racism yeah to try to get to do his dream job yeah, yeah. which he did yeah he, and he is now 94 and he has had this illustrious career and he's still going strong still kills it Put his i saw him talk four years ago he did an hour and a half at on 90? his feet wow. at 90 and he would just sit down and someone would ask a question like this moderator take a sip of water and stand up and tell another 
20 minute story with just as much energy as you see on this screen. It's crazy. I don't, I don't understand how. It's just running on jokes. <laughs> David, what other fun facts did, or did you have about um, yes. cover mall? We I think we said through. a bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah, the new technology with the blue screen, the wire for pizza, the hut. Um, yeah, the improv scene that became a classic. Oh, um, so he got signed off from George. Uh, Lucas? George Lucas. I, like, Did you really forget George Lucas's name for yeah, a second? Well, we're talking Mel Brooks here. So <laughs> I, I got his first name. We're on first name basis. George. You know George. So George. So, uh, George yeah. signed off on it, right? Yep, but yep. he said um, you couldn't sell any action figures or anything oh, like really? that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, that was George learned from Star Wars. He yeah. made all his fucking money. So what does Mel Brooks do? Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. Spaceballs the t-shirt, Spaceballs the coloring book, Spaceballs the lunchbox, Spaceballs the breakfast cereal, Spaceballs the flamethrower. That kids love. He has a whole scene about merchandise. 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 The color book. Yeah. He's like the lunchbox, the flamethrower. Kids love that one. So he threw that whole thing in there because they couldn't, you know, do the merch for the movie. Yeah, just amazing. Yeah. They they gave was it they gave Lucas the complete like rights to any merchandise with yep. the original Star Wars for his deal, and they paid George Lucas five million dollars to for him to use their post production facility actually. Yeah, which kept him so sweet. He was like, and apparently he loved the movie. So apparently, just if you want someone to love your movie, you just have to give them five million dollars. Let them do the work up the in San Francisco. Yeah, at the ranch. So wait, uh, if there's no official merchandise, did you not buy that shirt off Mel Brooks? Uh yeah, he actually made this for me. Okay. He's yeah, like, <laughs> like, this is the this is a funny scene. Yeah, the shirt there. Here you go, David. Talk about all uh, Colonel Sanders was written for Steve Martin. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they had him in mind for Colonel Sanders. Uh, the Millennium Falcon has a cameo. It does. Yeah. Did you, uh, Gary? You know at the diner, space yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I missed it. It's parked at the diner. Um, yeah, Michael Wilson helped cut production costs with his noises. He saved him like a couple grand by doing the bleeps, the creeps. Oh, the, the, the Michael. Sweeps. Yeah, Michael. Was up. <sighs> he's so silly in that. That's <laughs> not all he's got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, and then let's see. I think, yeah, that's. I think I got. We said the to, two toms. So yeah. Well, well, well. Some good fun facts. Uh. So guys, well, this is the part where we sort of call someone out from the cast or crew. Gary, you're our guest, so I'm gonna let you go first um who did you have that you wanted to shout out because it takes a village to make a movie i mean the man himself mel brooks i think that's i mean he he wrote and starred in a couple roles and directed this so it's yeah he's he's the best that's awesome pretty special me my turn i think it's my turn okay i'm worried that we have last last week or when we did interstellar you went and i thought we had the same one and we did 
Okay. It was Hans Zimmer, by the way. Hans, he yeah. always needs an extra shout out. Exactly. Who do you have? So I'm going to go with uh, Steve Willis. Okay. So we didn't have the same one. Um, he was art department and he was the prop maker foreman on this mm. movie. So talking about the big picks and the big combs and all these hilarious things that are implemented throughout this film that are just super fucking funny. Um, so shout out to you, Steve Willis, for all the props that you uh, you made for this for this movie. Well, I had Tony Cox. He played a dink. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because I saw him and I was like, that guy looks so familiar. He was in Bad Santa. He, yeah, I don't know if you guys know who I'm talking about, but um, mm -hmm. he is really funny, um, great actor. And you can only see his face for like maybe a few shots in this movie. But I immediately was like, oh, I know that guy. What do I know that guy from? He was also in my me, myself, and Irene. He was in mm -hmm. Epic Movie and obviously Spaceballs. And yeah, Tony, I see you and I, I appreciate you. you. Appreciate you. He's a, my, my friend Jenny Zagrino's in Bad Santa too with him. And he's yeah. a total sweetheart. He's yeah. like one of the sweetest guys in the world. That's awesome. Yeah, he's seems hilarious still so. doing it mm -hmm. let's go what were you gonna say uh i just want to say um you know john candy mm -hmm. or sorry yeah john mm -hmm. candy and joan rivers thank you for everything uh you are definitely missed Big um, time. from the comedy community and just you know entertaining people for so long and yeah i didn't wanna... grow up with john candy because i had such a weird like expat childhood but as an adult, I've come to appreciate his comedy so much, especially like trying to write comedy and yeah, he he's a fucking legend. Yeah, that one. A, who um, could pull off that joke of a dog that's worried, that's half man, half dog, that's moaning <laughs> without being cheesy with making it authentic? It's like yeah. how and he's like, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> nails it. <laughs> guys love it these guys are geeking oh um we usually do this thing where we decide whether it's age like milk or not but before we do that i have a surprise trivia oh my god i did Gary, it just so you know i'm like oh and 10 yeah so oh far. well okay. i made it easy this time i did like true or false <laughs> and so out. i'm gonna ask you both but i'm gonna let okay. david go first because it's boston trivia which oh. is where um gary is currently and he's also from boston so if you are in boston shout out to your boy I've he was seen. reminder he was named buzz comedian by boston magazine it has a circulation of four people and it is a gold mine <laughs> so this these are true or false questions okay okay and you'll both answer but i'm gonna let david go first because gary i feel like you may have the upper hand but we'll see you might be really bad wrong, at boston comedy. okay so it's only three questions uh boston facts cranberries are the state of massachusetts official berry true or false i'm gonna say false gary what are you gonna say true the answer is true get the fuck out of here how and how what's funny is that in our interstellar episode uh we had two boys from wisconsin david's from wisconsin originally and we found out that uh wisconsin is the largest grow of cranberries yeah. and Massachusetts is the second largest grow of cranberries. So you two are like cranberry brothers. Well, hello, number and, um, two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we use it for currency here. Yes. In the okay. Commonwealth. Okay, next question. Fenway Park was open. Fenway Park for your information. Fenway is. Park? 
Then wait, pack. Where Bassin plays? Yeah. It Bassin was opened in 1925, true or false? And it was also robbed by nope. Ben Affleck. No. Uh, <laughs> David, true or false? Ben okay. Park was opened in 1925. I would say false. Gary. It was April 14th, 1912. False. Correct. It was 1912. Gary, I can't believe you knew that. They'd kick you out of Boston if you didn't know that. Ben Affleck did rob it. Like the Ben Affleck? Yeah. What do you yeah. what do you steal? It's a lot of money. Our hearts and minds. <laughs> okay. I thought you were trying to snipe my third question. Okay. True or false? David, you're gonna answer first. Boston is the location of the world's biggest art heist. Oh, is is this a Netflix question? Because I just finished this. I don't know if it's the world's biggest, but I'm gonna say true because I think you probably watched this Netflix documentary. Comedy Gary, what do you reckon? world's biggest art i mean we did take pieces from like you know the the sphinx and egypt like our museums yeah. across america no, are no no i'm totally i'm, I'm not like talking like Germany historical acquirement no a ton of... i'm talking someone came in and yeah thieved. Okay. do you think it's true or false boston i believe it's true and it took place at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Oh my God, he has so much knowledge. Well it is true. And, and it's $10 million was, reward. Yes. In 1990, two men stole 13 works. I don't know. I need to, I didn't watch the documentary. Oh, I just finished it yesterday. Facts that I yeah. saw. And I was like, how do you do that? It's still a bunch of Rembrandts. And it's everybody. Still, it's been what? so many years and know, they still to, don't know. To Gary's point though, like, uh, the Queen of England has a ton of stolen merch mm. from other countries. We're not coming for they the Queen. They stole a bunch of shit be. from India. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, it's... I mean, look at America. We stole so much land. Yeah, that's, that's from the natives. That's, we, there's a lot of heists out there. Yeah. Let's keep it real. This was like sort of more semi recently. There's no movie about this, as far as I know. Is there? Or uh, the, is that what the town is about? There should be. No, the town is like bank robbers or uh, banks and armored cars, stuff like that. The everybody has a cousin who knows a guy about this particular heist yeah. and i gave a tour once to somebody who was like you know kind of sitting in the back of this tour and at the end he was just like it was me. yeah i i, I know where it is and i can't really like tell you and i was like do you like you know where all this art is but you can't tell me anything like, yeah. like why like, would you gary's like talking to my flower <laughs> do you have exactly. a Gary, do you have a theory on what, where the, what happened to it or where if it still exists or anything i bet uh i bet it was a couple boston bostonians <laughs> that were like I got a fucking idea. Let's <laughs> go get wicked hammered and fuck this place up. Oh look, there's some colorings in the wall. Um, we're we're silly people. I, I don't know. I, I there's plenty of weirdos here that would steal something just to steal it. Um, you've I had like I won't even you know, jaywalk so the, the idea of walking into a museum and stealing a piece of art is like wild to me I'm so scared yeah. of breaking the rules but not the Bostonians risk first reward gotta do some crimes sometimes yeah. uh so now now I will allow it the aged like milk question <laughs> Gareth Gar Garibaldi Garindi men that is you Gary uh thoughts do you think this film aged like milk has it gone bad over time 
Uh, I loved it as a kid. I'll always have a spot in my heart for it. Um, I do cringe at parts of it for sure now that I'm adult and like, like ooh. <laughs> but I can't, you can't help but love the thing that you, you grew up with in a way, even though it's flawed. Um, so I, I think it does hold up as a movie, but I, you know, it ain't perfect, but okay. it's, it's mine, you know. It's, it's gone up in pots, but you still drink it. Yeah. Delicious. David, I already know your answer. Yeah, I already know. Grinning like a fucking yeah. moron. I drink it, I'll cook with it. You know what I mean? I'll bathe in it. This fucking movie is amazing. It might be my favorite movie of all time. Not just my top three. Stop it. It gets the gold? Number one. David kidding me? Mel Brooks, this cast, okay. You know, representation. And there are a few, Gary's saying, a couple cringe parts. But... I feel like they weren't super derogatory. I'm I'm glad you put that out there, right? Because that really wasn't in my head about mm. the women's portrayal in this. Mm-hmm. I do think uh, Vespa, she had a, she was a little bit powerful in this role. But I just I love this movie. I love geeking out about it. I laugh the same as I did 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, so I do not think this movie aged like milk. Well, at the surprise of literally no one, I'm going to disagree with both of you and say, I think this milk is off and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but I might have made, had some questionable feelings about it afterwards. Like definitely watching it. Like it's a milk I knew was probably going to be a little bit off just from the context of the film like sometimes I feel like on this podcast if you go below a certain like year it's very likely that things are gonna be off the best like 2018 or below please please drink by yeah exactly drink by if you buy I think it's aged I think yeah I mean I, I definitely think had I seen this as a kid a lot of it would have gone over my head doesn't mean I don't love Mel Brooks and respect what he's done. And I think you guys actually raised some really valid points about like the studio system at the time, but I wouldn't want my daughter, if I had one, which I don't, thank God, not right now, touch wood. Um, I wouldn't want her to watch this and be like, okay, like this is how women are treated or talk to each other. You know, like that's my major thing. But do I think there's funny parts in it? Yes. Do I think that the comedic visualizations hilarious yes so i i'm like the opposite of you guys like i knew it was off when i went to go drink it but it was still like there were parts of it that were tasty got some chunks in there that i was like hmm chunks <laughs> smoke if you got them <laughs> gary so great to have you on the podcast thank you so much for joining us thank um you. where can people find you if they want to connect with you uh, at comedy Gary P on Instagram and Twitter and other things. Um, deadmellow.com is my album. It's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Music, all that fun stuff. Uh, and youtube.com slash Anderson Comedy, uh, the show with uh, Rob Cray and I, and my podcast, iTunes, uh, Death by Comedy. Everything's on at comedy Gary P. Love to send you everywhere. Do you have any shows coming up? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, alley oop to Gary. And he <laughs> throws it into the bleachers. Uh, yeah, it's, 
I'm still like waiting to see what happens to book a show. I have, I think, a tentative date in September. Are those, is that in person? I was saying like yes. online, anything. Okay. Online stuff. Uh, yeah, just check out my website. Usually like every weekend I'm doing something. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm always messaging Gary like, because I love doing his stand-up class. By the way, Gary, uh, shout out to the Pack Theater. That's how we met. Um, they do great classes. And oh, I was like, I got to do, I think I'm just going to wait till real life comedy. Because to be honest with you, Gary, we did some online comedies. And I don't remember them. I blacked out. I blacked out. I was standing there. I was fully blackout. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember if I was funny. I think being in person will be uh, good because then I can make all my friends come and just pack the house. I'll I'll be there. David will be be there. there. Shouting. She doesn't even, she does a podcast. She she hates every movie. I bet she gives great (laughs) Everybody blacks out that first time whether and that's very interesting to me to know that it happened to you online because it always happens in person too it's just this is a hyper you know different event and everybody turns their brain off that's why i'm like record it record it just trust (laughs) and then you're like i remember i was like standing there like a fucking zombie and i was breathing and i was talking and then my time did great yeah, you're funny. Thanks. Oh, guys, yeah. guys, more. Say more. Um, but also, Gary, are you teaching anything at the moment? Because I feel like I learned so much from you. Do you have any classes coming up? How to be a woman. Um, Good. Just, it's, uh, it's just a one-off thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I, uh, I, I've been doing like partnerships with some theaters or comedy clubs, things like the comedy studio. Um, I, I've just done like one-day things. But I'm out there and just trying to create as much as I can right now. I got a couple of projects I'm focusing on. And then I might get back to teaching, I think, in person in a few months. Because that was, I loved being online, being able to see everybody, but mm. in person had more, you know, excitement and electricity. And, so, and energy exchange, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so. Well, we're really grateful to have you. Thanks for coming on, even though you had your shot and, you know, the microchip is slowly taking over your brain. <laughs> I started sweating a few minutes ago. <laughs> oh, good. good. Yeah. Tylenol, a little sleep, lots of water. Keep lots jogging of water. water. Yeah. Uh, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Please check out his podcast. Please find him on Instagram. And David, you yeah. should just basically check your fridge. Make sure that milk isn't spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. Uh, that's our show, guys. Thanks for listening. We love your feedback. Keep it coming, unless it's negative, in which case, go fuck yourself. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. And we're clear. (laughs) 